Welcome to the TriStar Church Podcast. We're so glad that you have tuned in today. My name is Matt Grimes, lead pastor of TriStar Church, and I want to encourage you to like and follow us on social media, as well as subscribe to our podcast. You'll find weekly sermons, midweek deep dives, and more right here every single week. I pray that you're challenged and encouraged as you listen, not just to the words that are spoken, but to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you through this resource. Now let's dive in. We find ourselves in a really interesting place in Knoxville. Knoxville is a changing demographic right now. Um, uh, if you've tried to buy a house in the last 12 months, you know that. Uh, when my wife and I bought our first house, we looked and looked and took our time and we'd go look at a house and we'd take three weeks to decide if we wanted to buy it. And even then we negotiated on the price. Imagine that, right? You could talk people $20,000 off of their price and get all kinds of, that doesn't exist anymore. Like we're in a place where people from all over the country are wanting to move to Knoxville. We're getting people from all over the country, states and places that aren't necessarily interested in church. They haven't grown up in the church and now they're moving to Knoxville. They're moving to the Bible Belt and we have an opportunity to be a witness. We have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so what I'd love for us to do, there isn't a greater time, I think, to talk about this idea of hospitality, how we treat the world around us than right now. Because we have a, a, a community that is changing every single day, even in our neighborhood. If you walk our neighborhood alone, it's not just people from all over the US who are moving here. We've got people moving internationally. We've got the worlds represented in our neighborhood. This is a chance for us to live on mission. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of hospitality. It's kind of defined as kind of the friendly or, 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 or generous reception of people, even those who are strangers. I'm going to define it as this for us. It is to uh, treat others as family to treat others as family so they understand the love that God has for them. There's a purpose behind our hospitality. The South is known for hospitality. Everyone knows that. They talk about it. When you go to other parts of the country, they're like, people are so nice down there. But there's a purpose behind our niceness and our kindness and our generous to people. We treat others as family, even strangers, even people we don't know. We treat them as family so that they understand the love that God has for them. And what you will see woven throughout the life of Jesus is this idea of hospitality. Break open the gospels and you will see Jesus living a life marked by hospitality kindness towards others, treating others as family, even though they weren't, so that they would understand the love that God has for them. Let me ask you a question. If I were to ask you, where do you think Jesus spent most of his time when he walked this earth? Where do you think that would be? Some would go, maybe the temple, right? He was a teacher. He'd be in the temple a lot. He'd be learning all he could. Maybe it was with his 12 disciples. Maybe it was in Bible study and he's studying scripture and praying and doing all these things. Here's where you will find Jesus the vast majority of times. You ready for it? Sitting around a table with people, being generous, being kind, 
As you read throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, time and time again, you're going to find Jesus gathered around a table. This is where he spends most of his time. In fact, you could sum up the gospel of Luke in this way. Jesus ate really good food and drank really good drinks with some very bad people. That's the gospel of Luke. He spent so much time, that's what Luke records, so much of Jesus gathering with other people, sitting around a table, sharing a meal, sharing drink together. And it wasn't for Jesus about the food or the drinks. Please don't make it about that. For Jesus, it was not about a good meal. For Jesus, it was not about a good bottle of wine. It was about the people who sat around that table. People were Jesus's priority. Meals, gathering around a table, hospitality became the strategy for Jesus connecting with other people. In fact, Matthew talks about Jesus this way. In Matthew 11, verse 19, it says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. I love that. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus spent so much time gathered around tables with sinners and people like tax collectors that people began to call him a glutton. You eat too much. They began to call him a drunkard. You drink too much wine. Jesus didn't come for the food and he didn't come for the wine. Jesus had a different mission. In in Luke 19 verse 10 at the end of our passage of scripture for this morning, Jesus tells us why it is he came. Yes, I came eating and drinking. Yes, hospitality and, and, and sitting around a table with people was my strategy for connecting with people. Yes, that is true. But here is my purpose and why I came. I came to seek and save the lost. That is my purpose. My goal is this. I came for people and that is still his goal and it is our goal thousands of years later. We are here for the people that God has put around us. And so the table... This idea of hospitality, sharing food together, sharing a meal together, sharing drink together, this is all simply a ministry strategy for how we begin to connect with people. I began reading a book this past year called A Meal with Jesus by Tim uh, Chester. Um, I would encourage you, we have a couple of these out here in the lobby. If you want to pick these up today, uh, you can stop by and do that. Uh, But this kind of outlines biblical hospitality. It's a great read. There's another one by Hugh Halter called Happy Hour, talking about uh, how, uh, how we can use entertaining as a way in which to connect with people. But in this book, A Meal with Jesus, Tim talks about how many times you find Jesus gathered around the table with other people. In Luke 5, you see that Jesus eats with a tax collector in the home of Levi. In Luke 7, Jesus uh, is anointed at the home of Simon the Pharisee during a meal. In Luke 9, you find Jesus feeding 5,000 people. How about that for your holiday meal, right? Some of us are like stressing over the holidays we just entertained. Jesus fed 5,000 with a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Luke 9, Or or Luke 10, Jesus is at a party in the home of Mary and Martha. They share a meal together. Luke 11, Jesus uh, condemns the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at a meal in their home. Luke 14, 
Jesus again is at a meal when he urges people to invite the poor to their gatherings and to their meals rather than their friends. Novel concept. Luke 19, Jesus does something crazy. He invites himself to dinner with Zacchaeus. We're going to talk about that. That's kind of rude, right? Jesus has invited himself over. When I do that, I get in trouble, right? My wife gets on to me for that. Uh, Luke 22, Jesus take part, takes part in the Last Supper with his disciples. They gather around one of the last acts they will do together. They sit around the table. They share a meal together. Luke 24, the resurrected Jesus on the road to Emmaus shows up and he shares a meal with his, uh, two of his disciples and then later with all of the disciples. Again, this idea of food, entertainment, being around a table together and hospitality is a theme throughout the life of Jesus. And that's just in Luke's gospel. Matthew tells us the very first miracle of Jesus is that Jesus turns water into wine at a party. Go all the way back to the birth of Jesus and what do you find? Jesus is born in a, uh, in a stable and where do they place Jesus? In a manger. What is a manger? It is a table for stable animals. Jesus' life is marked by this idea of food and sharing together with other people around food. It was a strategy for Jesus to connect with others. Robert Karras says this, that as you read throughout the Gospels, what you are going to see time and time again is that Jesus was either going to a mill, he was at a mill, or he was leaving a mill. Why was hospitality so important for Jesus? Why was sitting around a table with other people, even sinners, so important for Jesus? Here is why. Because every table for Jesus Every table that Jesus found himself at was a window for people to see the heart of God. When Jesus gathered around a table with other people and he shared food and he shared drink with them, it was an opportunity for them to see what God was like through Jesus, through the time that he spent with them. This is why hospitality is at the heart of Jesus and what he did when he was here on earth. This is why he invited people to the table that they would catch a glimpse of who their heavenly father was and what he was like. It was a way to physically demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world that Jesus found himself in. And what I'm afraid of is in our fast-paced, hurried culture that we find ourselves in thousands of years after Jesus, we have lost something significant about the table and about hospitality. Let me ask you a question. There's no guilt and shame in this, just a question for us maybe to, to, to see clearly. When is the last time you had a meal at your dining room table? If you have a dining room. Some of us don't have a dining room, right? We have a dining room table. It's eight foot long. I cannot, there's dust on it right now. Like, well, no, not now. We had, we had Christmas there, so we cleaned it for that, right? There's usually a good layer of dust on our dining room table. It sits empty. And the last time, if I'm really honest, that I stop and think about who sat around that table, it was friends and family. What's happened in our culture that we've stopped making time for people? 
that we've stopped gathering around a table to share a meal together, to share food together, to share drink together, to enjoy one's company, that the world would see heaven here on earth. What has happened? I think it's this guy's fault. If you remember back in 1980, if some of you can go that far back, not many of us uh, can go that far back. Some of us can. In 1983, this amazing invention was released to the worldwide market by the Dodge Corporation. It was called the Grand Caravan. Anybody remember this? 1983, the uh, minivan was rele- uh, released and it had something that no other car had in it at the moment. Does anyone want to take a guess what it is? Anybody? Cup holders. It had cup holders in it. Nobody had a cup holder in their car before 1983. The minivan released it. Now, this was an amazing vehicle. If you remember back, it it had this lovely wood grain paneling down the side of it. In fact, our family enjoyed owning one of these vans. I heard my mom complain so many times about the paneling on the side of that minivan that one day I was washing it and I noticed that it's just a sticker, right? Like this isn't real wood. It's just like sticker laid over it. And I was like, I'll help my mom out and I'll just peel it all off. Oh, I got so much trouble for that, right? Like she was mortified. We drove around, half of it had wood grain paneling on this side. The other side had no wood grain paneling. It was epic. Uh, But this van was released and all of a sudden cup holders are here and our busy scheduled lives just got busier and busier. And we just go through fast food and we pick up what we need and we eat in the car and we eat on the go. And there's no time for people. There's no time for hospitality. Sadly, there's not even time for many of us and our families. We started reading through this. One of the things in our family that we've really started to try to bring back is even in our own family, the importance of the dinner table. To sit around a table together without a TV on and to just talk. Because life happens there. God is revealed in those moments for our daughter. To sit around a table. Uh, I, I thought about this the other day. As you think about cup holders, I was in my truck and I was counting cup holders and my, my truck alone has 11 cup holders. Like what do you need with that many cup holders, right? You're, you're gonna be like me if you use that many cup holders in your vehicle for five people. You're gonna be peeing every five seconds on a road trip. That's what's gonna happen. And if you think about even our families, like we're we're so busy, we're so on the go. Back in the 60s, you know the average length of a meal for dinner? 90 minutes. You sat around, just think about that. You sat around a table for an hour and a half eating and talking. You know what the average time of a meal is today? Dinner, because we don't really eat the other ones. 12 minutes. And it's done. We move on. We have other things to do. Meals for Jesus were a social thing and it should be for us. And if we're going to live authentically like Jesus, one of the things we need to capture is this idea of hospitality. Treating others like family so that they can see the kingdom of God through us. And a great way to do that is to use what we all already have in our home, our table to invite people around our table. And my question is, are you using your table in a way in which brings heaven to earth that people would see God? And I wanna challenge us with this. For Jesus, 
he sat at more tables than Jesus chose to flip. There's only one time I can think of in scripture where Jesus flipped tables. The other times he's sitting around them. And the sad reality for most Christians today is we're not defined as hospitality. We're not defined as kind and caring people who sit around and share meals for what tables that we choose to sit around. Sadly, we're known more today for the tables that we flip than the tables we strategically sit at to build relationships. Because let, 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 me, let me tell you this, the kingdom of God doesn't move forward and infiltrate the darkness when I stand back flipping tables and telling everybody what they're doing wrong. The kingdom of God moves forward when I choose to sit down at the table with a sinner and love them like Jesus loved them. That's where the kingdom of God starts to move forward. That's where we start to see heaven happen here on earth. And so how do we begin to leverage our table so that the world around us can catch a glimpse of heaven how do we begin to treat strangers as family so they understand the love that God has for them? Jesus in Luke chapter 19 has this encounter with a, a really short tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus. And in this story, he's gonna show us how to practice hospitality towards strangers, towards people who aren't like us. And that can be scary at times. Jesus is gonna help us see how we can do that. Luke 19, verses one through four. If you've got a copy of scripture, you wanna follow along, you can. It'll be on the screen behind us. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. It meant he was really, really good at his job. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he couldn't because he was small in stature. And so he ran ahead and he climbed up in a sycamore tree. I feel like I should start singing it right now. For the Lord he wanted to see and as a savior. All right, never mind. All right, for he was about to pass that way, right? I was about to sing it for you. So here's Jesus. He is on his way to Jerusalem. He comes through Jericho. Jericho is an important uh, uh, town. It's a very wealthy town because of the balsam trees they grow there, the beautiful roses and the palm trees. It has become a very wealthy city uh, within the area. It was very important. It was very prosperous and the city had tons of wealth. And so here you have Zacchaeus, who was not just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector is what Luke tells us. That means he was the head honcho. He's in charge of the entire tax collection division in Jericho, and he's good at his job, which means he's very, very wealthy. He is vastly wealthy. He would have been hated by the Jews, not only because like us, they hated paying taxes. I don't know anyone who likes paying taxes and giving up part of their income, uh, but they, that, that was part of the reason they hated Zacchaeus. But the other was because tax collectors in that day were not like tax collectors today. They were given authority by the Roman government. They were appointed by the Roman government and they were given authority to make money by overcharging people for their taxes. And so a guy like Zacchaeus would come to you and he'd say, hey, Cody, hey, so good to see you. Your bill might actually only be $50, but I am going to tell you that your bill is $100. And because the Roman government's behind me, I can charge you that and you have no option but to pay it. 
And I give the Roman government $50 and I pocket the other $50 in my own pocket. So you see why Zacchaeus is not very well liked within his community. This is how it was with all tax collectors. So Zacchaeus is loaded. But even in his wealth, even in all the stuff that he had, Zacchaeus realized something was missing. He was lacking something. And he'd heard about this guy named Jesus. And so he goes to see Jesus and he can't see them because he's short. He can't get over uh, the crowd. He can't see over them. This is something that has probably even affected his personality, all right? Sometimes short people are very feisty people, right? It's just, it just goes, it's part of the personality, right? You, you got to compensate for that. But also he probably grown up his entire life being mocked and hated by other people, not only for his size, but his occupation, Think about how many times he exacted his revenge on people for how they treated him. But because Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus so badly, he does something very undignified of a man in this culture at that time. He climbs up in a tree. That's child's play. Children get in trees. And yet Zacchaeus runs ahead of the crowd. He climbs up in the tree like a little child. Remember when Jesus talked about unless we become like little children with faith of little children, we can't enter the kingdom of God. Zacchaeus is displaying it right here. And what is extraordinary is not necessarily Zacchaeus' actions, but how Jesus chooses to respond to Zacchaeus. The way Jesus responds to Zacchaeus demonstrates for us how we ought to show hospitality to others, especially strangers, people who are different than us, who are other than us. Look at Jesus' response in verse five and six. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. This is incredible. For I must stay at your house today. And so Zacchaeus hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And the first response that we see Jesus have towards Zacchaeus, this sinner, this tax collector, is that Jesus chose to show compassion and kindness to Zacchaeus. Let me ask you a question. What is your first reaction when you encounter someone who is different than you? When you walk into a room and you're in a room with someone who, let's say, is in a same-sex relationship, what is your immediate rela- reaction to that? Do you lean in or do you create space and distance? When you pull up to a stop sign and there is that homeless person that is begging for, for money, do you reach over and lock your door? Or do you lean in and show kindness and compassion? Jesus leaned in. Jesus showed compassion. Jesus chose kindness. How did he do that? He started by calling Zacchaeus by his name. Jesus didn't just dismiss Zacchaeus because he had a bad reputation and he had this bad name. Everybody knew who Zacchaeus was. Jesus didn't just overlook him because of his name. Jesus called him by name. How many times do we just dismiss people because they're different than us? They're other than us. We just dismiss them and we walk away. Jesus said, no, I'm going to call you by name. This was a personal moment for Zacchaeus. 
a moment of kindness and compassion on Jesus's part. Jesus knew how important a person's name is to them. Think about this. How many times had Zacchaeus been called by his name? Most of the time he was probably just made fun of. Hey, loser. Hey, sinner. Hey, you tax collector. Fill in the blank for whatever kind of condemnation they would have. He probably, one of the only few times he probably did hear his name in a kind way would have been from a parent or a family member. And yet Jesus, the religious leader, the promised Messiah, called him by name. How life-changing that would have been for Zacchaeus. Saying his name made all the difference to Zacchaeus. It said you matter. You're not just a tax collector. You're not just a sinner. You're not just a loser. You matter. Jesus, in the midst of all that he had going on, took time to show kindness and compassion to a man that no one wanted to be around. He gave him dignity. For me, one of the things that God's really challenged me with is in, it's, it's just simple. It's not, I don't even have to invite someone into my home to show hospitality in this. It's to start calling people by their names as I interact with them. As I go through a drive-thru and I pick up my food and I eat it to go in the car, right? I, I, I call that person by their name and I say, thank you so much and say their name. Can I tell you how people's eyes light up in the retail world when you're checking out at a register and you use their name and say, hey, thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas and fill in their name. They're not used to it. They don't know what to do with that. That's simple. Why don't we all do that? Why don't we all be marked by that, just that simple act of kindness? I don't even have to invite someone into my home. Jesus shows us if we're going to be people of hospitality, if we're going to be people who treat others as family so that they see the kingdom of God, we start by showing kindness and compassion to them. But Jesus has a second response to Zacchaeus, and that is he embraces Zacchaeus. Jesus does something that is scandalous at this time. He says, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. No religious leader in their right mind would have ever been caught dead in the home of a tax collector. You just don't do that. And yet the Holy Son of God says, I'm coming to your house and I'm spending the night, Zacchaeus. It's a slumber party. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. It's going to be a great time. Let's go. Going to someone's house in this time meant you accepted them as a person. You embraced them. As a person, Jesus chooses to embrace Zacchaeus, even though he was sinful, even though he was selfish. In fact, the early church was known for this and they were despised for this and they were condemned by the Jewish leaders for this. But the early Christians, they saw that as a sign of glory, not shamefulness. That they cared about sinners and people who were far from God. Jesus didn't want to merely preach to Zacchaeus and convert him. Jesus wanted a relationship with Zacchaeus. And that relationship began calling him by name and inviting him to a table to share food, 
to share a drink, to talk, and to get to know one another. Jesus invited himself to spend time with Zacchaeus. And imagine the conversations that took place in that home that evening. I can't imagine. We don't know. I wish that Luke would record some of the conversations that Jesus and Zacchaeus had. We don't know what they talked about, but we do know the outcome. Look in verses 6 through 8. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, the religious leaders who were watching, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus receives Jesus. He repents of his sin. He repents of his selfishness. He repents of thieving and robbing people. And he completely gives himself to God. Now here's something important to note. The religious leaders are furious at this. They don't care that his life is about to change in this moment with Jesus. All they care about is that Jesus shouldn't be hanging out with this guy. They don't care that his life is going to change drastically. And here's the thing I'll challenge you with. Part of the reason we don't often see transformation in our life it's because we're not being hospitable towards other people. We're not sitting around a table with other people. We're not letting them catch a glimpse of heaven because we're spending time with them. We become too busy in our lives and our hectic schedules. We become too busy filling our cup holders instead of filling the chairs around our table. And let me challenge you with something. If you begin to live like Jesus authentically, you begin to use your table to invite sinners to sit around and you begin to share life with them, I'm, I'm just go ahead and prep you for it. People are gonna talk about you. People are gonna criticize you. People are going to put you down. And I'm just gonna stop and I'm just gonna talk, uh, just, just have an off, off subject moment for a minute. If you're having conversations about people if you're complaining about people to other people instead of just going to the person that you're complaining about, can I just ask you in the name of Jesus, stop. You are killing the kingdom of God and what Jesus is trying to do. Go have a conversation with a person you're frustrated with. Know that when you start to live like Jesus, people are going to talk about you. They talked about Jesus. They called him a glutton. They called him a drunkard. But the end goal is worth it. See, not only did Zacchaeus repent, but he promised to give back, not just what he owed, right? Uh, repentance is me saying, I wronged you and I'm gonna make it right by repaying you what it is that I, uh, I took advantage of you with. Zacchaeus said, I'm not just gonna repay you. I'm gonna repay you four times what it is I took from you. And I'm also gonna take half of whatever I have left over and I'm gonna give it to the poor. Zacchaeus in this moment gave everything away to follow Jesus. That's how much Jesus opened his eyes in those moments he spent with him around that table. So people are gonna talk. They're gonna criticize. 
And let me challenge you with, it's worth it in the end. If people in our lives who are far from Jesus come to know who he is because we invite them to sit around the table, let the naysayers say what they want to say. It's worth it. Luke 19, verse 9 through 10, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since also he is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus explains why he sought and extended friendship to a sinner like Zacchaeus. Why? Because I've come to save people like Zacchaeus. I came to save Zacchaeus. Not to ignore him, not to look past him. And here's what's remarkable. Jesus had no home. He had no possessions to really share. He traveled from place to place and found a place to sleep. And yet he is one of the most hospitable people to have ever walked the planet. He showed kindness and compassion towards others that they would see the kingdom of God through his actions. Here's what's remarkable about this moment of hospitality in Jesus's life. I want you to think about this. We read this story and sometimes we don't think about Jesus's interaction with Zacchaeus and how it fits into his overall life. Do you know where Jesus was on his way to when this story happens? It says it at the beginning. Jesus is on his final ascent into Jerusalem for the last time. Jesus is on his way to the cross. Jesus is on his way to be beaten within inches of his life and then have a cross laid upon his shoulders and forced to walk it up a Roman road to a hill outside the city and to be nailed to that cross and to give his life to pay the price for the sins of all of mankind that their sin could be taken away and they could be given life in exchange for death. That's where Jesus was going. And he had time to stop for Zacchaeus, a sinner hanging out in a tree. So often I hear, I'm just too busy. I got too much going on in my life to sit around a table with other people. So did Jesus. But he made time. Jesus, I pray that we would learn from you in this story. That all of our lives are complicated, all of our lives are busy. They are not too busy for us to live like you, to show hospitality to the world around us, to treat others around us as family so that they would see heaven, that they would see what God is like. May we learn from Jesus in this story that it simply starts with us showing kindness and compassion to others and choosing to embrace them. And that as we do, we'll begin to have opportunities to live out your kingdom in front of them, that they would see Jesus through us and they would be drawn to you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you live in the greater Knoxville area, we would love for you to join us for a worship gathering. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. For directions and more information, please visit www.tristarnox.org. 
Lastly, resources like this one are made possible by the financial support and generosity of people just like you. If you would like more information on supporting TriStar Church, please visit our website, or you can text the word GIVE to 865-240-0353 and follow the prompts. Your generosity and support will empower us to continue to partner with believers, equipping them to make disciples by living out the gospel in the places they live, work, and play. Grace and peace.